<laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm Kay Marie. I'm Lou. And I'm Mary. And we are Murked in the Midwest. So, how many of you guys have been on I-65 before? I have. Mm -hmm. I go down I-65 literally every single day um, to get to work. Uh, if you go on vacation, you're driving up and down it. Mm -hmm. It's normal road. It's regular highway. It comes through the Midwest. It'll take you here, there, and everywhere. And um, our story today is going to be about some ladies who worked off of I-65. And it just so happened that their last day of work was the last day of their lives. Stranger things have happened in 965. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll, as always, start with the victims to let you know a little bit about them. Um, our first victim is Vicki Lucille Heath. Um, she was born September 29th, 1945. She lived most of her life in Kentucky. And yes, I know Kentucky is not in the Midwest, it's the South. But part of this case does happen in the Midwest. Um, she had two adult children who, um, one had become newly engaged, and she had, be I'm sorry, she had two children, um, and they were adults and then she had been, become newly engaged after previously being divorced. Um, she lived in Ratcliffe with her fiance and she worked at the Super 8 Hotel that was in Elizabethtown in Kentucky right off of I-65. Um, in that area, that is considered a historic area. Um, it is the boyhood home of Abraham Lincoln. What? Yes. Uh -huh. Um, and that area at that time, and even still to an extent, is not very populated. Um, when you are looking at that area, you are going to see from the highway, you can see um, a hotel and a gas station. And then there's like multiple like uh, truck stop parking lots. Mm -hmm. So trucks can park on it. And then there's a little service road and it takes you to that Super 8 uh, hotel. Sounds like a town I wouldn't want to be in. Well, you know, everybody has to live somewhere and everybody can't live in the city. Some people live in small towns. It gets spooky. <laughs> it gets like, spooky. I don't want to live in a, like, I don't want to live in Chicago. I'm not a baby, country girl. Baby, I'm a city girl. So I, catch, so I can catch 72 bullets on the weekend. No, thank you. I'm no, a city I want girl. to live, like, but I also don't want to live in like a super small town where there's 15 people and we all know each other's business and stuff like that yeah but i do like the idea of living in like a suburb or a town where it's in a family park ew no that's too uppity no anywhere in illinois i'm sorry i don't want to live in illinois at all you know what and i don't mean it's too uppity like the people i mean the prices is too uppity when your taxes are eight thousand dollars yeah i'm good I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking like, like the vibe, I, I guess the vibe that Maryville has. Mm -hmm, it's good for you. It's good for me, but not Maryville. I don't want to stay in Maryville. You want to go? I'm, I want to go to Tennessee. Like, I'm, I'm moving to Nashville. When you move, like, you I'm just take me. In Nashville. I'm going to just live close enough. You can take I'm, me. I, I can live in Nashville. Living in Nashville. I can live in Nashville. It's beautiful. I'm not. It is. I'm not like much of a 
of a country girl, but it's like a city slash country. Mm-hmm. And you can like always get litty. Like you know how yes, it's fun. It, it's like acceptable. Like how the South Suburbs is to downtown Chicago. That is the I guess like distance I would want to live to Nashville. But I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not like. Don't get me wrong. I love Chicago. There are things that could could correct itself in Chicago, make it a lot better. But I don't want to live on the South Side, people. I just don't want to do it. I, I want to. I want to live on Southwest, East, North. That's where my <laughs> family's from. <laughs> Gang. 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 So, anyways. Right, anyways, um, back to our lovely <laughs> lady, Miss Vicky Lucille Heath. Um, there will be pictures posted. You can see that she was a beautiful woman. Um, and she, so she was in um, Elizabethtown. And that's where she worked at. Um, and she was born. Um, can you cut that out? I fucked that up. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, when you look at the actual spacing from where Elizabethtown is to Indiana, it's actually relatively close. You're talking about an hour's drive away. So when you cross the border of southern Indiana, to get to Elizabethtown is one hour away. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Um, but you'll see the relevance to that when it comes to the case. Okay. Um, and then our second victim is Margaret Mary Peggy Gill. Um, her name was Margaret Mary Gill, but her friends and people who loved her called her Peggy. Um, she. Um, I did not see an explanation, but you know how sometimes you get nicknames and. I guess, but that's like, my name is Mary, but everybody call me Keisha. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's what they do. Maybe you did something that made you look like a Kiki. I don't even look like a Keisha. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl, my. <laughs> you look like a Keisha. Yeah, it fits you. you yes, it does. <laughs> right. If you didn't know, K stands for Keisha. Kiki. <laughs> um... So she was born to Terry and Ann Gill. Um, she actually grew up in Maryville. Um, so yes, yeah, so she's one of us. Um, she attended Maryville High School, my Ooh. high school, right? Class Maryville. 2011. 2002. Oh, I'm West Side. Oh, hey. Don't hate. Don't hate. Don't hate. <laughs> um, and when she was in school, she was part of um, a social club for future homemakers of America. Um, she participated in like baking challenges and was known to be very nice, um, kind of like well-mannered, but also shy. Um, according to her manager and her family, she was just really a very generous person who would do things for anyone. Um, and also like literally on that last day of her work, she has spent her evening putting like the final touches on her father's birthday plans because she was planning him a birthday party and she had kind of like lost track of herself in her work of what she was doing because she was like baking a cake and you know getting all the arrangements together and her dad's like are you going to work and she's like oh yeah 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 you know i'm going to work oh man right i'll get there when i get there sounds like me um and so you know it was just like her it was in her nature to do those types of things um, Peggy worked in Maryville off of I-65 and US-30 um, and at that time so we're talking this was in the 90s 
there were six hotels um, on that little corridor gateway, okay? Mm -hmm. So if anyone is familiar with Maryville, if you guys are from this area, bear with us because I'm going to explain it for the people that don't know. Maryville was a cornfield. It was a little more than a cornfield. <laughs> uh, we had well malls. We had two malls at that time, so don't let her tell you it was just a cornfield. We had Century Mall and we had South Lake Mall. But when you're talking about the area where the hotel is that she worked at, at that time, it was six hotels that were over there um, and a couple of restaurants. Um, this and is over there by like, where Sheffield's and stuff is? This is over by, um, so when you're talking about it, it it's like, like what, it's a little bit past where the Sheffield's. No, mm -hmm. I'm just saying, like you're talking oh, about yeah, 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 yeah. on Mississippi yeah, Street. Six, mm -hmm. yeah, and there was seven. that newspaper, well, uh, Northwest Indiana Times, they have an office back where that hotel oh, yeah. was back no, by, back further I used to go with my cousin because she used to work she used to deliver papers in the morning so I used to go where to that office I don't okay know, I don't yes and um at that time and still really to this day Maryville is considered a pretty safe community um you know there is crime but it's not like you're talking about um a big major city type of crime situation um, I don't have the numbers on how many murders happened that year, but the number wasn't minimal. Um, and when, when the uh, planning for that hotel was taking place and like how they do yearly plans and assess risk and stuff, mm -hmm. it was considered a low risk uh, uh, hotel. So they didn't have a security guard. Um, they didn't actually have a lot of measures for safety because it was considered a very um, safe place to work, you know. Um, now, Peggy was working um, a night shift there. Uh, she was like a desk clerk. Um, and, you know, they didn't have like bulletproof glass. They just had a desk. You come into the hotel, like through the lobby doors, you have a desk. That's what it was. Okay. Um, and then let's go on to our next victim, which is Gina Gilbert. Um, she, Gina, I could not find as much information as I did on our other two ladies. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, like I couldn't find her birth date. And I searched, I went through um, public records. I looked for her previous like marriage certificate. I couldn't really find that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, she was described as hardworking, intelligent, a go-getter, um, and you know, her family was at the forefront of her mind. Um, she was not the type of person to just like leave her family. She wanted to be in her area where she was at because she loved her parents, she loved her children. She had been up on like hard times. Her uh, previous couple of years, she had gotten divorced. She um, was living in a smaller home <clears throat> and she had just gotten her kids back and was like taking care of them and stuff, okay? Life back on track. Getting her life back on track, but she was a smart woman. Girl. <laughs> Literally. She was a smart woman. She worked um, as a bookkeeper for Castro's Oil and also this trucking company. Mm -hmm. And then she um, worked, like when she was working at the trucking company as a bookkeeper, that's where she was at first. She picked up some extra hours at the hotel. Like that was her second job. And really, like when I was reading this, I was like, you know what, ain't it sad that we still going through the same things today? Like the cost of living is so ridiculous. The people who want to do a good job 
have to struggle. darn you know, struggle, work two, two jobs, jobs you flipping work a day and night, trying to just make mm -hmm. it, just to make it. But she wasn't ready to settle. Like, overall was like, look, we're going to do what we're going to have to do. I'm not going to cry about it. She, on top of working these two jobs, she was taking care of her kids and she was enrolling in college because she wanted to better herself. She knew she was smart and she wanted better for her children. And um, with all of the things that transpired in the store, which we will get to in a minute, one thing that I can say that I thought was like the best like, and I don't know, like I'm sure that other people have talked about it, but her daughter is actually an attorney now. Period. And I'm like, what a motivation. Girl power, for you real. Know? No, for real, because you know, of course I'm sure her mom, the, the things that her mother instilled in her um, definitely had effects on her to work hard, to go for what you want. And I'm sure even down to the fact that her mother was murdered and wanting to know what happened maybe that might have driven the want to be an attorney some too but her daughter was a 17 year old uh, high school student she was in her senior year of high school um, when this transpired um, she was actually going to be in class with her mom in college courses with her mom that's dope mm -hmm. and um, you know she was leading her children by example her brother was younger than her. Um, her name was Kimberly, and her brother um, was Scott, I believe. Yeah. And he was 12 years old at the time. Um, they were living in Rensselaer, and she was working um, right outside of that in, I believe, Remington. Yeah, the hotel was in Remington. It was a day's end in Remington, right off of I-65. So in that area, <clears throat> when you're going down I-65, so all these are off of I-65. This last area that we're going to discuss is off of I-65, and when you are in Remington, you, we've all passed it, it's a very small stop. You see on your way there's like some um, farms, like cow farms, where mm -hmm. they raise um, cows and get the milk and everything, and then there's a stop, uh, like a, a rest area, and then right after that is Remington. And you have a couple of hotels. So what is very similar in these areas where these ladies worked? It was kind of remote. Yeah. There wasn't a lot going on that was around them. It was very much so like truck stop. Yeah. Yes. And it's already creepy going down I-65 now because it's when it gets dark, sometimes you have those areas where it's light, it's street light, and mm -hmm. then you have some areas nothing. it's completely nothing. Besides and your the, headlights and the headlights of the, the car. The headlights and the windmill farms. Yes, which is creepy. creepy. At nighttime, just blinking oh. red lights. Blinking red lights and turning in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. and you just by yourself and anything could I just pop out that as a marker though like whenever I'm going anywhere that's how I mark how I'm going to go yes yes um so um she is our victim that was in Remington now for our final victim and this one um she was working in the Columbus Indiana area um at Days Inn and um spoiler alert she is our only surviving victim. I do not know her name. No one knows her name besides probably the cops and her. Um, and if you are listening to this, ma'am, you have no idea what you've been through. But thank you for doing what you did to help at least identify who this person was. 
Um, she was the person who was, um, she was raped and she was also, um, like I said, the only surviving victim, but she was stabbed. She was able to get away from him and ran off and was able to get to the cops and tell them what happened. Okay. All right. So now we are going to talk about our perpetrator, Mr. Harry Edward Greenwell. Boo. Very big boo, sir very and you're not even here living among us to oh, we don't hear, talk shit anyway right, to hear our disdain but <laughs> i hope from wherever you're at you are you get to hear it hell he's in hell mm -hmm. hell mm -hmm. hell that's where you are okay so <laughs> hell is hot now very hell. hot and dark mm -hmm. fiery place <laughs> um so harry was born in kentucky in louisville kentucky actually on december 9th 1984 um and Sagittarius. Yeah. And so as far as his childhood, there are things that are out there about him. Um, and I don't want to give him excuses because this is just the most absurd, ridiculous, and for no reason kind of crime. Um, but as far as his life as an adult, um, he was arrested on different charges some in louisville for robbing people um he was actually sentenced and convicted he actually broke out of jail <laughs> um i think that should have been an indicator that he didn't need to come out of jail um he was a psych ward mm -hmm. um he was arrested in jefferson county in kentucky in 65 for sodomizing someone <gasps> And I'm not sure why that wasn't enough either. And I mean, I feel like when we go through these cases, we have this over and over again. Mm -hmm. But he had a record of doing things and not just a little bit of things. He was one of the ones who didn't get a, oh, he acted good in jail. We're going to let him out because he didn't act good. He, he was, was a good kid growing up. <laughs> he was a, a jailbreaker. Um, but with the sodomy case, he was sentenced to the Kentucky State Prison and um, he was in there he did his time um, while he was in there um, this one he actually served his time he didn't actually break out um, and then when he got out of jail miraculously this was years later so like in 78 his wife died in a house fire surprise surprise I'm just like, I don't know how that is uh, not looked into after all these things that he's done. But his wife died in a house fire, guys. Interesting. Uh-huh. And then he remarried um, like a couple, like a year and a half later. Mm. Um, and of course, he did not stop his ways. He was arrested again for burglary um, that same year. Um, he was sentenced and put in jail in Iowa because he had moved now up to Iowa he deserves um and the interesting thing like because i'm giving you guys the timeline of his activities but when he got to iowa there was a shift in him people remembered him as a kind and charming guy um they said that he did like he had a very a green thumb he planted things he would take stuff to the farmer's market he was really sociable with the people in town and they knew him for that um, he did like he had helping hands things that he would do like at church and so he had this uh, duality about him where there's things that he would do in the dark that people 
really didn't know about and then there were these things that he did when he was present in the community. Yeah. And then like there was some um, other information just speaking on you said, you know, when he got married, um, so it was mm-hmm. she was a single mother mm-hmm. who had actually been in a abusive relationship. Yeah. And so they got married, um, and so he ended up adopting a daughter from his previous marriage and then fathering a son of his own. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was interesting. But you know, the crazy part is, is if you read about the kids, they say that their dad was like the best dad. But that's and usually not, how. That's not weird though. Like that's a, like that's common. Yeah, that's like that's what I was about to say. Like that always comes off as a common thing. Like you the upstanding family man mm-hmm. and goes, you grow in vegetables. Wife and and kids, kids, farmers market. It's a split personality. It's like you're a different person when you're at home. Mm-hmm. And I think like doing that, putting on that act, and becoming this entirely different person, and that really is against your character, is what makes them lash out so much when they are getting out there and we see these violent crimes that they're committing it's because mm-hmm. all of this stuff that they've been bottling, bottling up, up mm-hmm. to play the good dad or the good husband or the good neighbor mm-hmm. is so far released from their on character. these yeah. women or men or whoever children whoever the victims are mm-hmm. is released on these the least you know suspected people and of course no one deserves that and that's why it's always like people have that like you know how like look at how these school shooters they they go through they kill all these people and stuff and then they turn around and say oh he was a good kid or you know or he had a rough life or he but that does not excuse what you did and that still no matter how good of a person you portray to be it does not take away from the shitty behavior absolutely you know so and that's that throws me off all the time but that then opens the door of how we as a society and we've gotten better over the years but how we as a society do not pay attention to the mental well-being of people oh my god people avoid going to see a therapist a psychotherapist anything or even when you see somebody experiencing like like we know when we see something that's off Mm -hmm. even with our family members Mm -hmm. um it can be the smallest thing you've been sleeping too much and i'm thinking something's wrong with you why is she doing that that's weird Mm -hmm. and we don't point those things out you know or we don't get them the help they need Mm-hmm. early on it's because it's almost like you don't want to say anything yeah. you don't want to cry but maybe you should and then, like it just really opens that door into that whole um mental illness is a real thing a real thing a real thing and i feel like in some of these cases that we talk about if things were done early on you know we hear about them in their awful childhoods or oh they were experiencing this and they were seen as schizophrenic but they never got any help. I feel like a lot of this stuff could be prevented. Mm-hmm. Or at least maybe it wouldn't go so far. Like, maybe, not saying they would never be a criminal, or they, but maybe they wouldn't go to the extreme. Like maybe that part of compassion that they lack would have been turned on. But or, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have been where they had no compassion for people. Right. But you know how that also starts too. A lot of that stems from childhood. So like they say um like i was watching a a video and it was like a little kid playing with a kitten you know Mm -hmm. cute and innocent 
this motherfucker took it and put it in a blender. Oh my god. And I'm like, but the mama was just standing there like she was the one video recording and he was just sitting there and he's just like oh cute kitten and put it in the blender and it, it went viral this was like a couple months ago and i was like are you serious right now you they think that not, shit is cute they must not but she don't stopped them right she's she stopped them but why would you let it get that far and as a That's parent nice. if you see that like like if you see your child doing something out of the ordinary like hey, hey now you're gonna go on the phone but, mama but mama but what more, the fuck is more than that if i'm seeing some stuff with my child that is got me raising eyebrows or questions you know, stuff, it. i'm gonna realize that it may be beyond me well i duh, am not a therapist yeah i'm not trained to deal with all these things I so instead of avoiding it and acting like it's not happening and looking at it like oh it'll pass with time get them the help they yes. need early on mm -hmm. like again we don't know how that will affect them down the line some people are born psychopaths and they will be psychopaths yeah, they, like they can get off. They can have on. a perfect childhood, and they still can, go wrong. you know, yeah. it's still yeah. going wrong. So that's not saying that, but it's just I feel like some of these cases that we talk about could have been prevented. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Like even when like looking at kids now, like I I'm the type of person I believe in kids getting disciplined, mm -hmm. but also when kids act out, like not just lashing out and just you know, falling out and acting crazy. Okay, it's one thing to be having a, you know, have a temper tantrum, but it's another thing to have something, you're, a child is wounded somewhere, some part of their life where they feel like, oh, I'm about to act out, I'm about to lash out, I'm about to start breaking things, throwing throwing things, hurting other people, mm -hmm. you know, and you just kind of like, um, yeah, I'm going to look into that. And it's like, you see so many things, especially repetitive patterns, and I feel like when people do things like this, signs are already there in some form mm -hmm. of fashion, even if it's little subtle hints. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like in this case, it was more than subtle. And I mean, <laughs> not even throwing it on the parents. Let's talk about the justice system. This yeah. man was arrested Trash. several times, escaping prison. And someone somewhere should have been like, you know what? Because we veering. <laughs> but uh when <laughs> but, but you know how dude jumped on that judge yeah and she was like you need something else because what you're doing like i'm not mad at her i i, I rock with her i'm like girl yes he do need she something was like, else i she's like i hear what you're saying but nah that ain't sitting right with me uh -huh. if y'all y'all obviously why the would thing, you attack a judge that yes. is because he clearly offense but he, he was clearly is sentenced for felony so he clearly he was already like, like, but just, but just imagine <laughs> if she would have been like okay i i approve your parole and he gets out he's gonna do the same shit because he literally did. just did it right there he and did. that proves our point in that in that situation at least she didn't let something go too far. At least she didn't go easy and soft for him to turn around and go do something next week. And he proved that he would do it again because he literally is so dumb in a split second. A split second he's so dumb he couldn't even he couldn't even figure out I want to get her, but I would get her on camera. It happened so fucking fast, and I would do it with all the witnesses. And it's literally he was just sitting there and he was like waiting on it because he start you see him kind of like shaking kind of like, like yeah. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to but how are you mad at this woman for doing her job Maybe and in your ass 
could have got, I'm not going to say a light sentence or whatever she was trying to sentence you, but then you jumped across and attacked she her. She wasn't trying to give him a license. She gave him 30 years. She gave him 30 years. Well, That's why he was pissed. And 30 more to that now because your fucking hands attacked her. But my point but to that is, is, my point to that is, in like this case with Greenwell, where he had all these previous, I mean, we can count them up. Yeah, this man, sheet, it is a rap sheet. He had one, two, three robberies and burglaries he had one sodomy he had two jail breaks and they let him out of jail at this point i think this man is like really institutionalized i can't even talk institutionalized uh-huh. um, <laughs> but like so and that's how some people are like some people they came from nothing and they feel like okay i gotta keep committing crimes but he, he wasn't was in jail. But my but thing is, is that he wasn't a person who had nothing. He had wives. He well, he had one marriage that was divorced, but then he had a new marriage. He had children. Well, he had sometimes that ain't good enough. Oh, that's right. He, he was a widow. He was a widow. So he had two wives. He had children. He had one that was his, one that was adopted. Well, his stepchild. He had things to live for. There's no excuse for this ridiculousness that and it obviously wasn't like I'm gonna keep doing this stuff so I can't go to jail because when he got to jail he was escaping yeah you know? he so was just doing whatever the hell he wanted to do just this clowning so um on this last one where he you know committed robbery up in Iowa and he was sent to jail when he got out of jail um his new wife um, Jenny divorced him wow. and um surprise surprise and, she was in jail from the mm-hmm. block Jenny said she wasn't and, taking no shit and so that was in July of 1986. Okay. Okay. Now we are going to go ahead and get into the actual crime. So here Let's they get go. Into it. So on um, February 21st of 19. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> on February 21st of 1987, Vicki Heath was working at the Super 8 um, in Elizabethtown, Kentucky and she was assaulted um she was working the night shift um and she was assaulted and the assault included um rape and then it was like a very horrible scene in the lobby or in that like uh area where you come in the front desk is um in fact it was so bad that when other guests had come down they were looking for her, they saw that there was nobody at in the lobby area and they thought that there was some form of struggle and called or like some like somebody had come in there and like tore the place up so they called the police because they didn't immediately see her mm. they called the police and as they come around they see her body on the floor but it was like chairs were turned over papers were scattered like she fought she fought she for herself um, and in fact there was a lot of actual uh, physical evidence that was there um, Underneath her nails was scrapings. There was um, fibers, like physical fibers left, um, and hair. Um, Not sure playing. Mm-hmm. Now, when they reported this, they reported it as a woman being attacked, raped, but they did not give all of the evidence right away. Um, the police, when they reported it to the public, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so this was the first killing that was off of I sixty five. Um, then we come to where a few, uh, um, basically, uh, a few weeks later, two weeks, two and a half weeks later, 
uh, I'm sorry, two and a half weeks and two years later mm-hmm. to the date. Um, we are on March 3rd, 1989. And this is early morning hours. So we're talking it's still very dark. And um, Harry comes to Maryville to the days in where Margaret worked at uh, Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, Margaret Peggy worked and she was assaulted. She was sexually assaulted and killed. Um, now this one, <clears throat> when they found the body, um, she was found outside of the hotel because he had pulled her and I think it was to kind of combine it and you know, get some privacy so that he could do what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So that he could rape her. Yes. Wow. So that he could rape her in peace. Crazy. Um, and on this one, he still didn't do a great job because he left evidence. He sucked. Of course he did. Kill him. Um, and I don't think that he really had, I mean, there was some intention to conceal what he did, but he wasn't like a lot of killers where they literally take a lot of effort to hide the body. Yeah, I was going to say, he seems like he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He like, just, it's not like he was trying to get caught. No, I don't think that he was trying to get caught because, as we said, when he got caught, he got escaping before. So I don't think that he was trying to get caught. I think that he just kind of had this attitude like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I had that whole, it is what it is. Like, I mm-hmm. did it and I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to catch me. Kind of like, you know, that, that cocky, mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm too good to get caught. Type Probably sound like man dark when he, after he got through murder, he, ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so um, she was the way that she was killed was she was shot with a 22 Um, now remember this is just to jog your guys' memory about spacing and time okay so we are still on the same day March 3rd 1989 Um, Margaret Peggy has been attacked and killed at the days in in Maryville and now down the way in Remington, which if you are driving the speed limit to get to Remington, it should take you about 45 minutes, okay? Um, on that same, very same night, Gina Gilbert was assaulted, sexually assaulted, and killed. And this was outside of that day's end where she worked. Now, they aren't exactly clear on what place she died at, but they do know that her body was dumped off of the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're familiar with 65, you know, so bear with us. There are service roads that are on the side of I-65. You can see them from the highway. People can drive parallel with the highway. And then there's like a ditch, uh, a grassy ditch that keeps and separates the service road from the highway. And then like there's a little fencing. She was found in that ditch by a farmer. Okay. Now imagine you're getting up from your day to start your day, a rural, very rural area, you're on your tractor, and this is the first thing that you see as you're starting your day, is this woman, her body just and beaten, and beaten and left like garbage. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, and surprise, surprise, what do you think that Harry did? Do you think that he cleaned up anything? Of course not. No, he left fibers, DNA, and also she was also shot with the same 22. So at this point, had they connected that it was the same person? They had not connected Vicki Heath with them. But when they had this third killing and the same 
killing type and methods, that's when the wheels started turning because it was literally within the same day in a three hour time span. Isn't it like once you have three murders is con considered serial killing or is it two? I thought it was three. Three? three? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so that's the time frame of them. And then um, to make matters even more, to me, this is just more irritating. And I feel like, you know how sometimes we say, like, all things happen for a reason. Like, right? Yeah. On March 9th, in a totally separate incident, Harry was arrested. Yeah. Uh, or not, he was arrested in lacrosse, but on a traffic violation. <laughs> on a traffic violation. Of all things. And it just makes me wonder, like, what did he think when they stopped him? What traffic violation would lead to arrest? Maybe your behavior. Driving erratically. Driving too slow. Driving too drunk. fast. No, like, I know that some of those will lead to, like... If you're drunk. Oh. Um, if somebody gave a like a, a description of a weird car, like report erratically at that time, yeah. and, and, and especially if your response, like the only things that I can think of that would lead to arrest would be like a DUI, um, or if when they stop you from the traffic traffic violation, you behave badly. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay. but of course that didn't hold people because he's right back out again and. A couple weeks later, guess what Harry gets to do again? He is arrested in lacrosse again for a domestic incident. Um, and basically what happened is he violated his restraining order that someone had against him. Surprise, wait a minute. So wait, wait, I know, wait. keep going down. Let's keep adding up. No, Tally, I hope y'all are counting and tallying. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. Can I have a little this more This man had already his meal. Let me go ahead and just feel it. Feel you. Can I get a refill? Can I get a refill? Thank you. So, my question. This man had already been in jail, right? Multiple mm -hmm. times. He was on... He was on now. This is because we already count there was four previously when his wife divorced him. Then the traffic violation arrest is the sixth. Yeah. But then seven times so he far. He was on parole, right? No, I think he had hit the time of his parole. He, no, he had not. No, he had not. So mm -hmm. he was on parole and they had all his DNA. Don't think, did they have his DNA in the system? And that's what I thought about about the sodomy, but this was 1989, and I don't know when CODIS... Things are different. When did CODIS come about? But the sodomy happened, so 1989 is when the murders, that's the time of the murders. But when he was arrested for sodomy, remember it was I mean, a different state. I know, but what I'm saying is like when That was 65. They didn't have CODIS. They didn't have DNA. They weren't doing DNA in 65 when he was arrested for sodomy. But so they're not like, going to take it. Regardless when you're arrested, aren't you fingerprinted? You're fingerprinted, but not DNA, not unless mm -hmm. you're doing a crime where they have to retain your DNA. But I'm just saying, like, uh, maybe I've seen too much TV where when they have a case, they run it against everybody in their database. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it was a different time then, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Because but when I just feel like there was a way, especially at this point since he had been arrested 
several times. No, but I like this is now after these three murders have taken, mm-hmm. he's been arrested. But he was arrested for traffic violation. I know, but I'm just still like he was on parole when he got arrested. So that's probably why they arrested him for the traffic violation because he was still on parole. And, and then it's he like, up. Yeah, yeah, and it's like when you call back in, like they not just doing a test for the heck of it to be like they can't. But they have to have a reason to pull your mm-hmm. DNA. Reasonable. Okay, cause. so there's a reasonable cause. So like. Say you're arrested tomorrow because, I don't know, like, will be a, a, a basic reason. Like, you shoplifted at Walmart. They are not allowed to take your DNA. Reasonable cause should be removed when you are But you know what I'm saying. You're not, not taking DNA. Walmart. Yeah, like, because, like, you, like, you won't get fingerprinted for no, anything but like here's, that. What right. I'm saying is. Reasonable cause should be removed when you're on parole, not because no, they can't do that. No, I'm just saying that's your right. That's how I feel. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know how I feel. That's how I feel about death Is that reasonable cause should be removed when you're on parole? And you just like no, you can't just arrest me for no reason. Hell, you can't even vote if you on parole. Right, but if you have arrested me and there's been a string of murders around this time. Reasonable cause should be removed and that person should have to be DNA tested to see especially if you have a history of violence because he had domestic violence stuff mm-hmm. And he was sentenced for sodomy. Yeah, and so it's like We're not doing that. Yeah, no yeah. Reasonable cause when you're on parole should be removed mm-hmm. Sp- Specifically for DNA purposes. Yeah, specifically for DNA purposes. Keep all your other rights I don't care, but for DNA purposes Especially if you have a history and you just keep cutting up and you just keep getting arrested because you you clearly don't care about parole You clearly don't care about restraining orders. You clearly don't care about breaking out of jail when you're supposed to be in jail You don't care about being a repeat offender. You have nothing. Nothing bothers you. You just gonna do what you do Um, After uh, Greenwell was picked up for this uh, domestic incident that he had and it was while he was violating a restraining order as Ooh, we have talked job, about his continuous disrespect and lack of concern for authorities and rules and all those things um, he was sentenced to 15 months of probation um, for criminal trespassing in April uh, April 18th of 1998 my birthday 1989 I'm sorry 1989 well, yeah, I, I, um, I flipped those numbers um so that you would think like at some point there should be enough there should be enough for his criminal activities and it's not um now we are going to talk about his last and final victim that we know of and that the authorities have linked to him um again as i had said before in our little spoiler alert part um our last victim um, her name is unknown. Her identity is unknown. It is to protect Good her. her. Mm-hmm. Good because who needs to be constantly... We live that shit. I mean, I'm sure she relives it because it did happen to her. But you don't need to be reminded of the press every time that a news alert comes on and your name's plastered all over a newspaper mm-hmm. and, and your picture is everywhere. The and fact that he was never actually convicted for this, imagine if her name would have got out there, how easily it would have been for him to find it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, she worked at the Days Inn in Columbus, Indiana off of I-65. Um, now, that area of Indiana... I am not 
as familiar with. I mean, I'm sure I've passed it. I just don't remember it exactly. Wait, exactly where? Columbus. Columbus. Columbus is like it's like a wedge between city so okay. it's like one of those it's kind of like south haven but it's not right off of 65 then, no right? it's not it's like you see the exit for uh -huh. columbus but you have to go down a little bit away mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. okay so um is it a college is columbus a college town or am i thinking of something different you bloomington you thinking about bloomington okay okay um, but anyway, so she worked at the stays in. She was also a clerk, so she worked um at the front desk assisting people. Um she uh was assaulted sexually assaulted. Yeah, she was she was sexually assaulted, stabbed, and still man I mean she fought for herself and managed to get away from him. He actually thought that she was dead. Mm. You um, thought, nigga. He thought wrong, um, and very good for her. And I don't know oh, if she played that again. You said on YouTube we can't say nigga. Oh, oh damn! Shit, my bad. All right, so just go back to where. Um, <gasps> that's for me to be able to easily find this part. To okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Back to where she was I gotta put assaulted. you Okay. Um, she was sexually assaulted. She was stabbed and she um, got away from him. And, you know, he thought that she was dead. And I'm not sure if she played dead or if he just. I wonder how that happened. Like, did she just go? Okay, I'm just She said, here. you thought. And maybe he thought, and like, because maybe she laid still or whatever, but somehow he was no longer concerned with her and she got away. She was able to so get did medical she get care. Away while he was there like escape from him or did he think she was dead and he left they said that she escaped so i'm assuming that she got away from him mm -hmm. now there are not this is the other part about her portion when it comes to it there is a lot of detail from what they know and what they saw at the scenes of the other crimes hers is very masked and i have gone down rabbit holes i looked for court documentation because indiana does give us public record she is unnamed. Um, they're actually, when you look for this, the only things that you will find when you look um, at the Indiana pub public court record for any of the victims that were in Indiana, what I have found is um, for Peggy, I found when her family took care of her estate. Mm -hmm. um, I found for uh, Gina, she had a divorce decree and um, child um, custody, like where they had decided that. And they had down um, when her family did her estate. So for our unnamed um, victim, a lot of the information about her is been masked or not presented to the public. Um, a lot, I'm assuming, to protect her identity. Yeah. Um, and also too because they were really working hard to find who this person was you have to remember when we're talking time frame the ladies in um, in Maryville and Remington were in 1989 then our unnamed victim didn't happen until a, a year later when did but, Vicky but Vicky was in 87 yeah so we're talking about almost a four-year time frame 
um, you know, three three years and some change time frame yeah. of when all these incidents are happening and they are no closer to finding a victim than day one when they found Vicky. So understandably so they have one who survived and she can possibly identify her killer. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that she really did. She the reason that there is a composite sketch is because what she showed. Yeah, and that's what she said. It was a six-foot tall man, bearded, mm -hmm. and... Um, the greasy, scraggly hair. And wandering green eyes or something uh -huh. like that. And he did, yeah. Because he had a lazy green eye. He did, he did. And he <laughs> he was slim. <laughs> he did, he had a lazy eye, so she was like, he had wandering, wandering eyes. Wandering eyes. And it green. He had a wandering eye. And her description, when you look at her composite sketch, what they made from her description, versus his picture she was pretty dead on yeah pretty dead on if he, had had a hat, if he had had a hat in that uh picture yeah from the cops it would have been him yep so she did a great job with describing him and giving detail um even down to um describing his clothing which helped when they started linking up fabric um because there were fabrics and stuff that were left um, she did a very good job in describing him um, and in fact you see yeah you can see we'll post the picture so you guys can look, look at that side by side there baby that eye it is and it's wandering and when you look at his pictures close up that eyeball was doing something different real different um, so anyways um, that happened and that was on uh, January when she was assaulted, January 2nd of 1990. Oh, that's crazy. Um, well, again, this has not, it didn't stop his behaviors. Um, and so another spoiler alert, um, Harry was never actually convicted of these crimes. So I'm telling you a story that doesn't necessarily have the finish that I would like because you know I want him to hang. I want revenge. Guillotine. I was gonna say or what she said. Guillotine. Guillotine. Come on. With a dull knife. With a dull. Let's pull it up a couple times. Let's try it again. Sorry, it didn't work. Oh man. Dang. We'll try it again tomorrow. We'll just let you slowly bleed. Tomorrow. We'll like slowly bleed. I'm eternal bleeding right now. Um, but uh. We're just, I'm going to continue to go through his criminal history and then we'll talk about it's what long. and how everything kind of came together. It's never ending. It is never ending. So, um, October 11th of 1998, he was arrested in Iowa yet again, this time for felony drug possession. Now, to get a felony drug possession, um, you have to have a copious amount of drugs. Mm -hmm. um, so we can tell like... Now, what was the amount in 1998? Um, well, it might have been smaller. It might have been smaller, honestly. Um, because drugs were frowned upon. Drugs are bad, okay? Okay. Say no drugs. Um, but then after that incident... He was arrested and violating a restraining order yet again because he get no fucks about restraining orders. Uh, Greenwell got arrested. 
<laughs> for violating a restraining order. And we are laughing because this is just absolutely absurd. At some point in this, y'all, when I'm giving y'all his laundry list that's fucking going on here, like, we should all be thinking this is ridiculous. This is, this is actually absurd. That a person can have this much shit. And keep getting out. And keep getting out. And like, oh, he just violated another restraint there, y'all. It's all good. It's all right. It's okay. No big deal. You just had a whole bunch of drugs. We had to arrest him. Again. Let him out. Let him out. Let him out. You know, he break out, so we might as well let him out. Right. Um, so he so, violated the restraining order November 13th, 1998. Uh, and then guess what? They were like, well, he violated that, but he may be really didn't mean it. So we're going to have to dismiss that. Three days later. Yeah, we over it. Three days later. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. We don't want to deal with him. So we tired. It's this fucking trash. Yeah, we tired. You know how it is. But this story does have a happy ending. He and did he, die. He, he never was convicted of his crime. Congratulations on dying. But he did die. And I would yes, like sir. to say he died a death that I wouldn't really wish upon anyone, but he could get it. He could have it. Yeah. He whole cancer treated him well. Mm. Mm. January 31st, 2013. Okay. He lived to 2013. Committing crimes. Committing crimes, never paying for the crimes that he committed against these four victims. Mm -hmm. And not in a way in which... So, today I had a really interesting discussion that sometimes, you know, that want for vengeance is, um, like, for me, is something that I want, like... And I don't really know why I'm like that, but I want people to suffer. Like, I don't think that it is okay for you to go out in the world, do dirt, and then just get away with it. I feel like you should be held accountable. But a very interesting point and perspective that was brought to me today was, well, how do you know that they're not paying for it? Just because you don't visibly see someone paying for their crime, they do have to deal with what they've done. But you know what? I also think, like, karma comes in when people have a long drawn out life mm. like you like okay damn i committed all these crimes i'm still here like here you go some you know how some of them make it to like 90 damn near 100 mm -hmm. and you be like yeah you lived a long sorry ass miserable fucking life as you should have i hope every day you woke up was a bad day for you Mm -hmm. Like that's my how thing I with feel that like though is that I feel like sometimes karma be um sleep or um mm -hmm. on vacation and you she hear about you or, sometimes or, or sometimes she don't deal out as strict of karma as she do for other folks mm -hmm. and so it's like whatever did happen to them for those people that go years without getting caught clear like and they go years without getting caught and still killing mm -hmm. it's like whatever is being dished to you it's not enough but and also and that's how and to me that's how i really feel about it like and i think that's why i am so i really am vocal and very um agreeing with we need to bring back death penalty i truly believe that when there was death penalty in every state and people were afraid of dying themselves they were a little hesitant. I won't say that it stopped murder. I won't say that it stopped crime. But it was in the back of the thought of, like, if I do this and I get busted, like, I could actually die. Especially but also, to Mary's point, like, when you said, like, you feel like they don't give their karma, karma sleep. What people don't realize, not saying you, but, like, in general, people don't realize that karma, it don't have to hit you. It can hit anything you attach to. Yeah. Karma can hit your kids. 
Probably. Okay, but that's why I'm saying people that have lack of empathy. It's really not us. Um, but karma, karma ain't set up the way we think it's set up sometimes. Because yeah. I've seen people do horrendous things to other people, not even like not killing them, you know, just hurting people and destroying them. And I've seen that karma come back around on their children, on their parents, or and anybody so to closely me, that's, attached to that's, them. That's fucked up. It is fucked up. Like, and I feel like that's like not right. I feel like it should hit the person. Up whatever address you move to. I feel like it should hit the person who did it. That's just really me. Like, we were... In this conversation I was having, we were talking about uh, Jonathan Mayer, Major, what is his name? Majors. Majors. And what happened with him. And like in this court case with the video evidence, you can see that what she was saying was not actually what was happening. And I'm like, Perception. now you've literally destroyed this man's career. Destroyed. And I'm sure. And like, so. And what was said to me was, you know, so we were talking and he's like, well, you know, this might have been his opportunity for him for something bigger and better to come into his life. And that is very possible. Kind of like a Johnny Depp situation. But however, in the same respect, you went after him to ruin him. Yeah. Because you know what you were saying is not true. And he moved on with his fucking life. And, and he moved on with his life and you were upset and you came to destroy him. Now, what is going to be done to you? Because you've made false allegations. And he still was found guilty. Yeah. Found guilty of what? Telling her to sit in the car and walking so away. Defending himself mm -hmm. and walking away. Saying, hey, get your hands off me and walking yeah. away. But you know what? That's another conversation for another day. Yeah, but so my point is, all of this is to say, in Greenwell's case, he did get to die from cancer. And we are going to now connect the dots for you so that you can see how all of this ended up being linked to him. Okay. So, um, Greenwell um, never actually was brought in, questioned, or anything like that in regards to any of these cases. However, um, there were some things when the cases were presented and family members' DNA was entered into um, a database. So, how we enter... The families, but we couldn't enter his baby. It was because the family members gave it. Why? I think that they gave it when they were hearing these cases. There were forms of links that were like connecting for them, mm -hmm. and his DNA was matched 99.99999%. Oh, it was a hell yeah. It was him. Hell yeah. And then Hell yeah. When they um looked at other records like the twenty-two, he did have a twenty-two that had been registered to him. Um, so there were other things that and the DN so how they linked it was the DNA was left at the site of Vicky and then there was DNA that was left at the site of Gina. Hey. No, Gina. No. Okay. At Peggy's, there wasn't DNA, but Peggy was linked to Gina because of the 22. Mm. So that's how it all started to connect. And then because they had the sketch from the unidentified, who literally gave you damn near a picture. If she could have took a picture, that would have been the only thing better than her description of him. And it linked all these cases and then his DNA matched. And boom, they have their killer. 
little slow. It's a little slow. It is. Yeah, and call them. Um, some things that I found Can't really interesting. Ass. Some things I found really interesting when I was researching the case. <clears throat> At the end, when they announced all of their findings for the families, uh, Gina's daughter, remember the one I told you who ended up being an attorney? She ended up actually speaking at the press conference, which one, uh, Kimberly, if you are listening, you are, uh, and I say this with all due respect. Shout out to you, girl. You a badass bitch, honey. And I say that with all due respect. Like, I don't know how you got up there and did it, but you did. And you did it with grace. You spoke eloquently, but your emotions were very raw. And you can feel them. And we are going to put the link so that you can see it. Um, it's on Indiana State Police. Uh, they have like a YouTube connecting that you can see their videos. Um, she was the last speaker of the day. They had speakers from the FBI because the FBI was involved in the investigation. The state police were invested, uh, involved in the investigation. And each perspective city that these murders happened in were also involved. So they had a representative from each. And talking about how and the amount of work and stuff that linked in the cooperation that made everything come together. Um, but when she talks about her mom, you know, uh, at the end of the day, her mom was working that shift because her mother has switched the shift because she wanted to come to her cheerleading oh, yeah. um, meet that yeah, she had. And I think about like how good of a mom her mom was. You know, she didn't have her mom in her life for her whole time, but for well, 17 she years, there. she made a powerful impact in her daughter. Um, and for her daughter to get up there and to speak for all of the families um, in regards to the findings that were found. And I don't believe that there is any form of ending to that because these people lived they were important and they had families and they are missed daily as a form of closure though yeah to, uh, to officially to, 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 to have an end to that chapter of it yeah of the guessing and who was it yeah, and, why. and to know that he's no longer around right and there's and there's no there's really no answer to why no of course not. because there these were all random he didn't even know any of these women this was just something that he did right but at least, like you said, a closure of who was it that did this to my family member? Because for years, for what, almost 30 years, there was no answer. Yeah. That wraps up our story of the I-65 killer. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. So you can catch us on what? Facebook, Instagram, Instagram TikTok. TikTok. Are we on Twitter yet? Twitter. We're working on it. It's just a page there, but it's blank. It's blank over, over there. And then YouTube, uh, YouTube, YouTube music, subscribe like to and subscribe. iHeartRadio, all that stuff. Amazon Music. And please give your comments and let us know what you think. And we do care what you think. Yes. Um, now, we are going to continue doing what we do because we not started scripted. it. We're not scripted. And we're not going to be scripted because we want a raw conversation. We want to... Um, talk about the things that we find important in these cases. These yep. are real people, real situations, and so we're having a real conversation about it. And real conversations, Beer. They, they veer. They do. They, they, they go from here to the last yes. support. Thank you yes. so much. We really appreciate it. Share the video, please. Tell your um, friends. Or if you're listening to us now and you're not watching our YouTube, share the link. Mm -hmm. um, 
And again, like it, comment, even if it's just commenting, saying, hey. And then also starting next week, we're going to bring back our business love appreciation. Uh, Bye. Bye. Bye.